Chloe, I am so excited for this episode. The these Adventures of Mary Kane Ashley Olsen films, VHS tapes, were iconic in my household. When I think of 90s, I think of Blockbuster and I think of video stores and I think of just how badly I wanted to watch every single one of these. So it was such a treat and a dream to watch them as an adult because I don't think I had access to all of these at the time. I think also just recognizing what were clearly collabs or brand deals between them um, was really funny seeing that it was, let's stick some educational content in here. Let's highlight SeaWorld this time. Pretty hilarious. Oh, yes. And this was a super long episode, y'all. So definitely keep an eye out for our Patreon. We're going to have some additional footage. We had so much to say about these people. Um, Oh, my goodness, Sarah, we also have to do a little teaser for the episode that we just recorded. Um, As we've mentioned before, we have about like six or seven of these in the can already and we're releasing them slowly. But Sarah, did you see what happened to me on Twitter? I could not believe it. The Meredith Blake, Chloe. Lover of Evian, lover, destroyer of twins from The Parent Trap, uh, retweeted a tweet. Y'all, we are going to be doing a Parent Trap episode very very soon coming out with Cassidy Williams and uh next week do you want to tell the lovely listeners what is happening next week for Halloween oh my gosh next week's spooky Halloween episode is going to be all about are you afraid of the dark which was and still is terrifying one of my favorite shows ever (laughs) um we also have a special guest on that episode Joe Carlson who you might know I just have to say that the the opinions of this of this series were not shared by me. I am so scared of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I know many other people were. Um, but, you know, no spoilers. But we've got some spooky fans and listeners on this show. I think people are really going to love how terrified I continue to be of these, of these mini-series. Didn't one of the episodes that we reviewed scare Ty so badly as a child? Yeah, he was forbidden... Like, I think his parents forbade him from watching it because it gave him nightmares. Like, I, of course, had no memory of this episode, but um, we have confirmation from Ty's mother that this was scarring to Tyler Smith. Yeah, I still don't look into mirrors for another one of the episodes we reviewed, to be fair. (sighs) Well, without further ado, let us get into a series featuring two very tired twin sisters, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Chloe, I am so excited about this episode. What are you feeling? I feel like the Olsons are back in pop culture with Elizabeth Olsen being such a prominent presence in all of our lives. And I'm just so thrilled to talk about really the origin story of Elizabeth Olsen. Truly. Truly. And we'll get to that. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about The Adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley, which was a limited series, and I'm going to read the Wikipedia sentence. So, The Adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley is a series of musical mystery videos starring twin actresses Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. The series was also written as children's books. A set of books was written as a companion piece to the show, showing the twins on the cover. Which I didn't realize, actually. 
that they were books also. I feel like I knew these existed. I feel like these were at Barnes and Noble and Borders in the Babysitter's Club section, you know, like the kind of movie based. There was like a Crossroads, Britney Spears tour biography. Like movie books were big back in the day. There was a Brokeback Mountain one, like everywhere. There was a ton of full house books. Yes. Written from like the characters of like Michelle, DJ, and Stephanie. I read, I think all of those. There was one where I think like Stephanie went to camp or something. I don't know. That one just is like in my head. I feel like these would have been the books I would have been drawn to at the Scholastic Book Fair. Did not read them though. I found a lot of these when I was Googling info about the Olsen twins. And y'all, I got to say, trying to find information, like nowadays, everything, everything that goes on to TV, you know, everyone down to like the key grip is like mentioned in the IMDb. These IMDb pages are barren because I'm going to, I'm going to give you all some uh, Hollywood behind the scenes here. I have an IMDb page. I have been in two I've been in a movie and in one TV show credited on there. And I think it's important that people understand who are not in the industry that anybody who has a flattering picture or even a picture on IMDb is paying a monthly subscription for IMDb. So I am a, I used to do film and television work. I only have an IMDb page because I was credited in a movie that I had a very small part in, like a a local independent film in Sacramento. And later on, I ended up doing more television work. And I had to go in. I had to not only make an account, I had to go in and submit a request. I was told that I was in a queue of like 400 or something. Like they individually have people checking everyone's credits like it is a process like you it's almost like getting a background check it's wild and I don't have a picture on my IMDb if you go and look me up on IMDb Chloe Condon um because I have to pay for that (laughs) so it's the wildest thing like and all of the trivia and like forum stuff you can like it's basically like having a, a Facebook page or a paid LinkedIn premium account. That's really what it is. And um, it, it's truly like when I see IMDb pages that are curated, like a celebrity one, I'm like, oh, a manager does that. Like it's it's totally a part-time job for people. <laughs> That's amazing. I did not know that about IMDb pages. <laughs> I honestly learned this, I think like four years ago, I finally just was like, you know what? I want to put this credit on IMDb. And I thought it was going to be a three to five minute task. And this ended up being a multi-week like, oh, what what am I in the queue now? Like, it was so strange. Like, why do I know this? Like, why do I know where I'm at in the queue? Very strange. But um, yeah, they have people hand checking this. It's a whole shout out to the IMDb fact checkers out there. That's amazing. This series was interesting. I think this was one of the first things that their production company, Dual Star Video, made because I I was looking that their their production company started in 1993. Oh yes. And the first adventures episode came out in 1994. I didn't do a full deep dive, but they ended full house in 1995. That's kind of the extent to which I know. Girl, you know I did a deep dive. And this is the deepest of dives I've ever had to do. Like this is the most Well, cuz there's not a lot online no like there is but but because this was the early 90s like that's what I was finding too I was like I was really curious I'm hoping that you found some information about some of the like 
side actors because I was so curious about who these humans were and like one of them which we'll get to I don't want to spoil it but like he was an amazing singer I won't speak necessarily to the others but I have a lot to say about this okay so here's the strange thing y'all I did do I'm the kind of person who, when I watch a TV show or a movie I'm deep in my phone I'm looking at like what they ate for breakfast on Instagram I'm like where is this child actor from Hook now I need to know um so this is so strange because on a lot of the IMDb pages the extra characters aren't credited um and I think my understanding here is these actors are very old now and don't know how to use IMDb <laughs> truly like <laughs> Well, now that I know that that's a whole process, I 100% believe that. Like, but it's so strange because um, I, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but like Karate Guy, yeah, not credited. I wouldn't want to be credited I either, but either. That, we'll get, we'll get, to, <laughs> we'll get that. to that later. But it's so interesting because it even, it took me about like, two or three, four clicks into a deep dive and eventually led me to LinkedIn to find out more about the director of these. Um, so the director is the same, if you'll notice, for all of these. So it was so fascinating because I, I also want to give a little context here because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are either our age or younger. And my so my mom died when I was 15 and she died in 2005 and there is no record of her on the internet the only record of her at all because this was pre like social media or anything like that and there was no reason for my mom to be on the internet really at that point we all had AOL email addresses and like it was that era of the internet yeah there was MySpace, but like there was MySpace. There was, I mean, this was like Napster time, you know? And so the only record that existed of my mom online is like a class reunion Tucson high school thing of like, and then maybe some of her graphic design work that she was doing. But it's, it's really strange because like you don't, that doesn't, but when you Google our grandparents and stuff, unless they've figured out Facebook, they're not on the internet for the most part. We don't know what they had for breakfast in like August, you know, 1940, depending on how old your grandparent is. So this was very fascinating. Um, I'm going to type in right now the Mary-Kate Volcano uh, one, because that one was one of the stranger IMDb pages, because none of the men were credited. Only Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, like or the three hillbillies, no idea who these who these people are. Um, the only two cast members. So clearly, like my what I'm going to guess here, because most of the information there's not a lot of even like trivia information. Most IMDb pages have trivia of like this happened then, and of these four, like very very minimal like for example there's a storyline on here it says taglines we will solve crime by dinner time you know clearly someone has gone in here and done it i think the director must have done all these and put all the credits on here that's gonna be my guess um but yeah like has has this ever happened to you this has never happened to me while searching <laughs> incredible i mean i I am shocked. Um, I feel like, I mean, that was 1997, the volcano one. That was one of the later ones. The common theme here is Michael Cruzan, 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 it's K-R-U-Z-A-N, directed every single one of these. 
And he's the creator. He's the creator. And y'all, I went on a deep dive. I was like, who is this man? I need to understand who Michael Cruzon is. And the only thing that I found of him, first of all, Michael, if you're listening, please hide your contact details off the internet. It's too easy to find your phone number. So we can give him a call later if we want. (laughs) But um, Michael Cruzon is on LinkedIn. That's the only place I could find anything. I only found some like, I found one freelance writing thing that hadn't been updated. It was like some like hire me page. He's been a director, 17 credits. Only one of them was not a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. He's been a writer for 13 credits, all Mary-Kate and Ashley. He's been a producer, eight credits. And again, all Mary-Kate and Ashley, except for some Crayola Adventures and Gulliver's Travels, which I totally remember this. It's like an animated film from 1996. So here's the deep dive I went on. I did the math and I was like, okay, clearly Full House was going off the air. The Olsen twins we're at the peak of their cuteness and adorableness. Um, I am fascinated by Michael Cruzon's LinkedIn. What's really interesting, the only things that I was going off of, Sarah, were his name <laughs> and Venice, California. Because when you look up Michael Cruzon, all you could find is like weird, like, you know, like when you look up a non-celebrity person, like some guy you went to high school with, and it's like, oh, I guess he lives in Santa Monica now or whatever. <laughs> so his tagline is award-winning television producer, writer, director who has built multi-billion dollar franchises. And there's no work history except this. I won't read all of it, but it says, oh, like the letter O, lucky man, all capitalized. Then it says, wish I could say it was all because to my creative genius. Okay. But actually, it was more about luck and timing the day Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen walked through my office door, parentheses, figuratively, not literally. They were barely out of preschool at the time. And so I helped launch what would be the multi-billion dollar Olsen Twins franchise when Mary-Kate and Ashley signed to Zoom Express. So it goes on and it talks about his work with uh, children's television and stuff. But my guess is this man doesn't have all of his uh, (laughs) credits on here because he must have made out pretty well from this video series. And to give you all an idea, home entertainment media back then was so lucrative. Like Richard Simmons made a multi-million dollar empire, maybe billion, um, just selling VHSs because they were hard to be copied. And like they would sell and they were... Not only what DVDs were, but like literally our only source of entertainment at the time. So I'm going to guess that Michael Cruzon doesn't need a LinkedIn. It's just for fun to connect with his friends. I feel like that's exactly true. And like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen being on the front of that videotape, like sold, right? That 100% sold. I mean, I sold it to me. A thousand percent sold it to me. I can still sing every single one of these songs word for word with the right like pauses and everything. Um, To be fair, it's not that hard. We'll get into that. Um, But um, like they're not. okay. I still love these and I still adore these. These are not great. They they sold, though. Like they 1000% sold. And I mean, I mean, Ayla still loved them. Um, For those of you who are new, like that's my three year old daughter who was totally bopping out to these monotone singings. 
volcanoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's fascinating because I mean, what a what a treat, what a dream to just work for let's see, the ranges of this movie. They started in ninety-four. Uh Double Double Toil and Trouble was ninety-three, but let's say we'll start it with Thorn Mansion, ninety-four. And they push these babies out to like, you know, even the you're invited videos well into the late nineties, um, fashion party video, all of this, you know, you're invited to the fashion party was 99. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I was reading up on the Olsen. Well, in New York minute was in 2004. Well, I think I have a theory because New York minute was their last on camera, like last movie. And it was their only film that was released in theaters. And it was critically pretty panned, is my understanding, because it was a Mary Kate Nashley movie. Like it, it's not for Siskel and Ebert. Um, and I have a feeling that that was probably the first time in their lives, other than their like brief television pilots that, you know, they had two of a kind and they had, uh, oh, I can't think of the other one, two of a kind. And they also had another show that lasted very quick. So little time. So little time. Um, which, oh my goodness, only one of them was nominated for an Emmy for, which, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> Mary-Kate was nominated, and Ashley was not nominated for so little time for an Emmy. Didn't win. But like, what? <laughs> I guess you can't nominate both of them, but that's wild. <laughs> Wow. I didn't know that they had an animated film or a TV series. So I also realized in doing my research that, so you have to imagine in addition to making billions of dollars off of this like VHS stuff, they were also making merch. They had several Game Boy games that all had to do with crushes. One was a digital planner, um, really funny, like of the era, you know, <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s stuff. But they also had like everything from, well, they had the Mary-Kate and Ashley Fun Club, which if you watched any of these on YouTube with the commercials for it, like went down a rabbit hole of what that was. We can definitely talk about that. We should talk about that at the end because that's like what shows the end of the VHS is. Um, but they were, they were a whole, they had Barbies. They had, they were basically like as big as Star Wars, like had so much merch. They must have, no wonder they were billionaires. Like their net worth is off the charts. No, yeah, they had like literally everything. They had books, they had and and cassettes. Yeah, and again, remember this was the time when like the internet wasn't a thing, right? So it's not like you could just, you know, watch anything on online or even watch unboxing of toys online just to get that serotonin fix. Like it was commercials and it was just merch. It was books it was cassettes it was you know dvds it was vhs's it was just all of this stuff that i 1000 percent wanted everything for and not only that but they were probably selling even more vhs's and dvds because of video stores like we were all renting these and i'm sure there was such a huge demand for them also i remember going to LA to visit my aunt and uncle and Radio Disney. I was obsessed with this. There was Radio Disney in the early days. So Radio Disney ended up being on like AM radio and available to everyone. But in the early days, it was a LA based radio station. And the Olsen twins were so heavily featured in like the promo stuff and the intros and the outros. They were absolutely everywhere in the nineties. They had cosmetics, which 
I feel like I knew, but I was not into makeup as a child. They had a magazine, which I totally did not know. Board games. They had toothpaste. It was a partnership with Aquafresh. Video games, like you mentioned. The boom box. Um, party supplies. Chloe, they had an entire bedroom furniture collection. I mean, none of... I bet they had bed sheets. I, have, I bet they had, like... Bed sheets were, like, a thing. I mean, they still kind of are, but, like... Yeah, I'm just like, wow. And then the clothing line, the clothing lines. Oh my gosh. I remember Kmart had stuff. Like they they were absolutely everywhere. When I was a young child, so I think Mary-Kate and Ashley, let's see, when were they born? When is their birthday? They're right around our age. I was just looking this up. Yeah, I think they're maybe a year older than me. And at the time, I had an aunt who was doing – she was working – doing all these, um, you know, events for install. 86. 86. Okay. I'm 89. So they were maybe a couple years older than I was. And I remember my aunt would throw these charity events in Los Angeles, um, you know, and all these celebrities would come and they'd be like AIDS benefits and things like that. And the Olsen twins were there. And I just remember even as like – I must have been four, like no older than four. And the the like – star power of these two like what would it have been six like my heart was beating like they were the they were the Michael Jackson of that era they were everywhere they were absolutely everywhere (laughs) well and I think they like you know I think because of the era that we were in and because they were famous so young and because of the empire they built like prior to 2004 right I feel like they just were this wholesome thing that every single parent could get behind, right? There was just kind of no no qualms about it. Like the biggest thing was like in one of their movies, they kissed, right? I know there were other things going on in re- like reality, but again, no internet. We didn't know anything about any of that, right? And I just, they were just everything. Like I like they're, they're- they had a boom box. They had ab- absolutely everything. <laughs> Their, their blonde hair with, like, the big chunky highlights. Like, it was just everything. The fact that they had one Ashley who was girly and one Mary-Kate who was tomboy which, by the way, like, they were just people. But, like, I feel like that made everyone feel, like, especially every young girl, feel like they could resonate with at least one of them. And I think that's why... Like, they were so beloved in the homes of America. Also, they were on Full House, and we grew up watching these little girls grow up. And it and everyone, there was no internet, so we were all kind of just, like, in on the secret that they were twins. Like, you know, nobody really knew, unless you knew someone who knew, or you watched the credits, I guess. Um, but they had a Michelle Tanner doll. Like, they had everything. And they were so primed for stardom. So, like, shout out to Michael for, uh, you know jumping at that opportunity because they struck gold with these girls and I'll tell you they aren't the most talented girls but they're cute they're very cute (laughs) and I think that they were able to like follow direction enough and you know perform well enough that it's it was worth it and I I do like in in watching these especially watching the outtakes I do notice it seems like and obviously I don't know it seemed like they were just tired and trying to do what they were supposed to do and like they did treat it very much just like a job 
And they were, you know, this was, I was, I was looking at the outtakes for, I think the SeaWorld Adventure, which is 1995. What is that? 86, 95. So they were nine and they were just like, yeah, we're at work. And they were millionaires at that point. Yeah. Like, isn't that wild? I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, yeah, of course they want to be out of the spotlight. They don't need to work. They don't like the fashion stuff was for fun. Like they won all those awards. They probably didn't get, you know, a childhood, obviously, because it was on screen doing this. And, and a kind of good thing is that their childhood wasn't also on the internet. Um, so they had at least some privacy. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I were them and I was rich and also had just this whole, you know, multiple Wikipedia pages full of what I've what I've done, why not just live a little bit? <laughs> yeah. And we probably should mention, we don't hear a lot from them in the pop culture zeitgeist nowadays, but most recently a leaked image from, I believe it was one of the, one of the twins is getting a divorce and there's Zoom. Mary Kate. Mary Kate. Her, her image was, was leaked out and there were some very interesting memes. I think I was among them of people who made memes of them. Sorry, Mary Kate. Um, and also Mary Kate, there's a connection to Mary Kate and Heath Ledger's death. I don't know too much about it. Basically, what I know, which I don't know a ton because it's not out there a ton, but basically they were really close friends like like Mary-Kate and Heath. And um, when he did have his overdose, she was the first person that was called. Interesting. And she was like one of the first, if not like the first person on the scene. She was called before the police. Yeah. Huh. Again, I don't, I don't think it's really well known because they were already so private by this point. And I think the few things that we do know is that, and I know that they have suffered from, you know, different eating disorders. And um, I can imagine like growing up, I remember feeling bad about the way I looked just watching them. I can't imagine being them and, and, and feeling that pressure um yeah and, and also being twins I feel like just makes that even worse right because now you have like there's something to compare to that isn't just a picture <laughs> from like a few months ago or a year ago right it's just so hard they also attended NYU very briefly um Mary-Kate dropped out after about a year and a half and Ashley stuck around a little bit but you know they were they were billionaires at this point and also I got a recommended article today, shout out to Google for listening to everything that I say, that said why the Olsen twins didn't do Fuller House. And it was this quote from John Stamos that said, you know, it's kind of bummed that the twins didn't join, but like Ashley hasn't been on camera forever. Mary Kate hasn't done stuff either. And Lori Laughlin, who boo, Lori Laughlin, we don't like Lori Laughlin. Um, watch the college admission scandal Netflix documentary for more info on that. But Larry, Larry Laughlin, um, she is married to Massimo, who was a very, very popular uh, fashion person in like Targets and Kmart's around that time. And I, this quote from John Stamos said, Lori Laughlin put into context with to me why it wouldn't make sense for the Olsen twins to join the reboot. And when she said, they basically won the equivalent of an Oscar or a Grammy, but for fashion. Like, what would you do the show if you had done that? And John Stamos was like, fair point. So to give context, they were winning huge accolades in the fashion industry. Like, they were killing it. And they had fully retired. Like, 
like decades ago, right? I mean, I think that they they retired in 2007 um, or two, around there, like 2015, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, they retired like a long time ago. And yeah, they've been investing their time and energy into fashion. Why would they go back just kind of for the fans, right? Like they they gave up their whole childhood kind of for the fans. I mean, they also obviously benefited from it, but like they gave up a huge portion. Um, anyways, I could go on and on about just the empathy that I have for them and how kind of happy I am that there isn't a lot about them because I, again, I just, I feel like they gave us so much. And when I'm watching these, like, I don't care that they weren't the best actresses or the best singers because they brought me happiness as a child and they're bringing my, my child happiness. And like, I appreciate it. (laughs) Also shout out to them. I, I think I also read somewhere that they granted like full maternity leave to their uh, fashion workers in their um, shops. So like they were given a lot of praise for like being, you know, kind of pioneers and making sure that, you know, these shops had equal rights for women and stuff. So shout out to Mary Kate and Ashley. Uh, the only kind of negative thing I found about it was, I think maybe it was on IMDb, um, that so there was an intern lawsuit at one point with Dual Star that like interns weren't being compensated for work or, or something and there was a settlement reached. But um, also, oh my gosh, Sarah, Dual Star to stars, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I know. I know. <laughs> I only put that together today. I only realized it yesterday when I was watching. So, yeah, I get you. Oh, my God. It blew my mind. Um, I just, like, never thought about it before. And I also think that to put into context, like, imagine that you are a child star and you've had a steady gig on Full House. So, like, imagine all the child actors from Modern Family. So, that's a steady income. That's your nine to five, right? Like you're used to getting a, not only a salary, but like an adult paid salary. And I think, I don't know if this was one of the parents, I think the parents are divorced, but you know, I don't know if this was their agent, their manager, their parents, but shout out to whoever decided to get these kids working on this stuff. Like this was like, they knew, they looked ahead and they were like, okay, do you want to, like, quit acting and, like, just do commercials and stuff? Or do you want to, like, do this? And they freaking did it. And shout out to everyone involved. Because, like, these are cute. I remember a lot of them. And they hold up. They do. They do. They're goofy. But they hold up. <laughs> They're so goofy. But that's that was the point. They were meant to entertain kids. And they did that a thousand percent, right? Um, and they still do. And I'm trying to think, who was that age? Like, who who did we have? Like, who were, like, celebrities for kids back then? Like, the only people I can think of are, like, that was the era of, like, the dinosaurs. Like, I don't know. It's very – they were just the child stars. We didn't have a ton that were, like, actually our age. I want to say all of the actors and, and such who were on – all of the after school special types, like uh, Growing Pains, like Growing Pains was one of my favorite, mm. but they were all older. And the younger sister was like, definitely just a side character, right? And then all of the other ones were were boys, and they were all older. And I remember like JTT, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and things like that. And he was probably around our age. 
Yeah, because this would have been Lion King era. And, and But think about those shows, like Home Improvement, all of that. Those were boys. These were really the only little girls that we had on TV. And they knew that because we didn't have the Biebers, the like Selena Gomez's, the Demi Lovato's. Like we just didn't have children on television in this era because it wasn't – like you have to think about who in the world would like invest in a child actor – actors in this case and just be like here's a multi-million dollar budget to like make VHSs. no one there was no one out there these girls were talented and they worked hard and they deserve all of their millions i rest my case your honor <laughs> i mean i feel like the closest like girl that i had around this time was melissa joan hart and clarissa explains it all because this Clarissa explains it all was 1991-1994 but she was born in 76 like she was she was the teenager that I was like oh my gosh she's so cool she wasn't me when she was on Sabrina even she was older than us so it's like yeah Sabrina was even later that was 96 to 2003 I just think they we needed little girls on tv that sounds don't say that if you're a dude. But like, oh my God, speaking of which, okay, wait, let's, let's dive in the first one. Let's dive in the first one because I have something very important to say about my viewing of this show. <laughs> okay, first one is The Case of Thorn Mansion, which came out in 1994. And I'm going to read you the two sentence description. A ghost is supposedly haunting a mansion in Transylvania. And the girls must figure out who or what is actually behind it. The ghost ends up being the caretaker of the mansion, who is also a beekeeper. By the way, the trip to Transylvania was about 9,000 miles from their attic and a 20-minute bike ride. How did you watch this? Oh, I bought them on Apple. Okay. So I was being cheap. And when I watched these, I watched them on YouTube. And okay. <laughs> how, do I, how do I even explain this? So three out of the four were good quality, just like VHS uploads to YouTube. The only version of Thorn Mansion that I was able to dive deep enough to find on YouTube, I kid you not, was shot clearly by a man, and the whole time his knees were in the shot, and they were hairy, hairy man knees, and it was the most uncomfortable viewing of anything I've ever watched because the point of view was wild, and my boyfriend walked in and was like, what are you watching? And I was like, oh, I'm watching this thing. You know, I'm watching it for a podcast. And he goes, why are there legs? Like, he's just like, are you? <laughs> Is this like a point of view thing? And I'm like, don't ask. Like, I just don't. I, I can't get into it at this moment. But do not suggest watching it in this manner. Um, but I appreciate this man. Whoever you are, knee man, I hope you are not doing disgusting things behind your camera. I really got that impression. However, I appreciate knee man. Um, because he played all of the commercials, beginning and ending, that were on the original VHS. And I think the caption of this video, I do not suggest looking it up, is like VHS, Thorn Mansion, something. And uh, it had all of the fan club videos, or the fun club, I should say. It had all the, you should also check out this one that's about a parrot and like all this different stuff. Um, but it was the wildest thing. I, I, I will have nightmares about that YouTube video for many years to come. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah, no, we just, I, I love these types of things. So I just bought them all, but, um, I thought these songs were so cool when I was little, like, cause remember, remember, this is a series of musical mystery videos. Yes. And I have seen this before, but I did not own this VHS. So I maybe saw it at like a sleepover friend's house. So it was familiar to me. I was not scared by the beekeeper. I figured that out once I saw a beekeeper costume. Ayla was not scared about it at all. The first time she saw it, I said, Ayla, is that a ghost? And she said, no, that's a mommy with a blanket on her head. And I said, oh, (laughs) (laughs) you're right. Um, first of all, introducing Elizabeth Olsen in the credits. <laughs> what a beautiful moment. Um, I did not remember that song, but way to just like imagine being a millionaire child and then making fun of your little sister in a music video and getting paid for it. Like, what a dream. The whole like anytime Lizzie was in one of their adventures of making naturally. They were just trying to get rid of her. Yeah, they're like, get out. We don't like you. Um, They looked really tired and dead behind their eyes. Was that just me? No, that's that's exactly what I was going to say, is not just even during the actual filming, but then there were outtakes on some of these. And they were just like, okay, they have this kind of signature bag under their eyes. And I'm not coming for them on like what they look like. I, I just... When I watched these, I realized they were probably actually tired. Like, as a kid, I remember noticing it, but thinking, oh, that's just like a cool feature of their eyes. And now I I look at it and I'm like, these children were probably exhausted. Well, and now that I'm looking at just how many there are in, so like in 97 alone, you know, they did like one, two, three, four, like... They were cranking these out. So they must have been filming a lot of these simultaneously. They probably used a lot of the set pieces. Ooh, another rabbit hole that I found. It was really hard to find any information on Thorn Mansion. However, there's this website that's about, like, Hollywood, you know, star homes and places where things are filmed. And the Thorn Mansion home, not the Thorn Mansion, but, like, the home that they B-U-T-T out in front of, um has a whole like page about like here's where it is and you know Santa Monica or like wherever it is um but they must have like knocked out a bunch of these they probably filmed a lot of them simultaneously even because they had access to a studio or a location well and they were still doing um Full House at this time I mean this was 1994 Full House was until what 95 they did they did this from 94 to 97 and then like you were mentioning they had just so many like the year invited series came out in 95 so then they were doing those simultaneously they just had so many things coming out and that's not to mention all of the appearances that they probably had to do when they launched their like clothing line at Walmart or whatever it was and all of the commercials that they probably had to do and just all of that like they must have been exhausted and I'm gonna guess that see back in the day when there were these live television audience tv shows i think they would film them weekly and then edit them and then they'd come out like the following week like the turnaround was pretty quick with these live audience things so either they were filming these by day while full house filmed at night which i doubt that's the case 
or they used what would have been their summer vacation, which, you know, there's kind of like a, there's seasons for TV shows, right? So they were probably recording this during their off time. They probably didn't get a break at all. So shout out to these troopers, man. Sorry, this is a total tangent, but I will forget about it forever if I don't tell you now. I recently found out that South Park is written like recorded like audio recording and animated in like six days oh yeah because it's all like relevant topic stuff yeah and part of the reason why South Park gets away with so many like things that you wouldn't normally see on tv is because they don't really give the studio enough time to like do a full review and so like they're like okay here it is oh you want us to change something okay well you know we can either change that or we can actually you know ship this in time and that's how they get away with so much stuff anyways total random i mean it it's crazy to think just how different television gets produced now like things get filmed now that don't get released for like months years even and I think it's so crazy to look at this IMDb page and just go, that's a lot of work. Most celebrities don't do this much work in five years. Like, this is this is a lot of stuff. Okay, so let's talk about this, like, first one a little bit. So um, I love the editing. <laughs> so if you haven't seen any of these, basically the editing is, like, the camera – shaking a lot or them like just cutting like a scene of them like in different positions super quickly so that it looks like it's all like 90s retro like it's just it's hilarious and I love it it's a lot of just b-roll footage really all of this is like a lot of b-roll footage just edited and replayed over and over Yes, B-roll footage and also them just singing the songs over and over again in different outfits so then that way like It'll just, I don't know, mesh together. It's so funny because when I first saw this one, the B-U-T-T out song with Lizzie, it was just like all close-ups of their face and they're just kind of circling Lizzie and and like telling her to butt out, which is so mean. I remember when I was little though, and I thought Lizzie looked so little, except she doesn't. Like when I was re-watching it this time, I was like, oh my gosh, she's pretty much their age and now I'm confused it's so strange how big age differences are as kids like yeah because she was born in 89 um and and they were born in um what did we say 86 so she was only three years younger than them but she just looked like a little baby when I was little and now I'm watching and I'm like she was basically your height (laughs) I think she probably could have ridden her bike with you (laughs) first of all Okay, I got very confused because there is a there's a trope that is happening in all of these most of these uh, mystery movies, which is a sort of Zoom call. But are we to believe that they're not seeing each other? Because I got that impression in the space one that like they don't see that crazy lady in the yellow. Wig. No, no, they don't. Yeah, that's just for our benefit, like the viewers. Because my first note is, ma'am, these are children called ghost hunters. Why are you calling these child detectives? That is a fair question uh, for all of these people, including, like, NASA. Yeah. I have a lot of problems with these adults asking these children to be in unsafe situations. We'll get to that later. But I 
I was like, oh, an atlas when they had to look up where Transylvania was. No computer. Not in this one. In another one, but not this. So if you haven't seen any of these, every single episode starts with someone calling them. They say, we'll solve any crime by dinner time. Um, and then they consult their trusty atlas. And they have an X number of miles to get to from their attic to the location. And they bike. And they bike. And they always say it'll take about 20 minutes. Um, I had a problem with this as a child, though, because every single time they showed the path from their attic to the location, they went in the like roundaboutiest way. And I would get so angry because I was like, that is not a straight line. Just go straight. And if you have a problem because you need to catch a boat, like I get that. But like, you don't need to go in a circle. Like, what are you doing? I, I was so angry as a child. It, it definitely was not Carmen San Diego level, like going from location to location. Um, their voices are so cute, though. Like, they're at that cute age where it's like, we're kids. We talk like this. Like, it's so, they're so cute. <laughs> not just their voices, but their body mannerisms have that of a child, right? Like, when they're walking up the steps and they're trying to, like, link arms or hold hands or hug or anything. It's that awkward like kid thing where I, I can't even explain it, but like kids just walk different and they like do things different and they totally have that. And I love it. It's very, their voices are so cute. This dog does not look well though. I'm very concerned about this dog's health. He's their sidekick, but also never goes with them. <laughs> okay. But wait, this dog changed genders based on what when you were watching because I could have sworn L Lucky? Is this the dog? Clue? Clue? Clue is definitely a boy in the first one and then the final one I watched they referred to Clue by she so shout out to Clue. Um, I did find a Angel Fire site that talked about all the different dogs that played Clue so shout out to whoever took the time to do that so maybe Clue just changed over time um, who knows but uh, imagine but like, okay, B-U-T-T -T out. So rude. Imagine the table read for that. Like, hey, girl, we wrote this scene about we want, how we want you to GTFO. We don't want you here. I feel like there just never was a table read. They just kind of like got all the kids together in front of this house and they were like, okay, ready? Here's your song. Go ahead and sing it. <laughs> Walk in a circle around your sister and we will film it. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> Basically, the way that this scene was shot was probably one shot in the front yard and then 30 minutes of footage of Mary-Kate and Ashley pretending to play guitar and drums. Tag yourself, I'm Ashley playing the drums or Mary-Kate. I don't know which one it was. There were just so many pieces of all of these episodes that were just... And, and if you watched till the end like, and you saw their, their outtakes... They were just hilarious and they were just there for like comedic effect. Like they were, they would stutter often in this one because they were supposedly afraid of a ghost and they'd be like, is it a ghost? And it's like, I used to say so much of this. I, I wrote down like the part where one of them says, hello, is anybody home? Like I used to say that all the time and I never knew where I got it from. And I'm pretty sure it's this video. <laughs> Yep. I, yeah, me and my family sang all of these songs. So my favorite song, okay, Bravery. I loved that song when I was a kid. Um, they basically are trying to get enough bravery to like walk up these steps, which the staircase leading up to the Thorn Mansion is just 
iconic. Um, but the ology song, the like, play that funky, funky, funky musicology, play it on the radiati, radiology. Oh, I got to, got to, got to. I can't, like, I, the number of times I sang that at my house, like, I, that was my favorite song in 1994. I was not familiar, and my note is ology. Okay, we got it. <laughs> It was my favorite song as a child. And looking at it now, like, as a child, I did get the fact that the words that they were using weren't real. Because they would say, like, play it on the radiology, right? Like, play it on the radio, but it, they're using radiology. And I knew that these things weren't real. Like, that wasn't what the word was, like, meant. As a kid, I just thought it was fun still. As an adult, I'm, like, angry. I'm, like... They could have used this moment yeah. to like actually teach kids or just like not tell them the wrong thing. But no, we're going to pretend like radiology means radio. And I was just angry. Do you know what the concept of a jukebox musical is? Is this a learning moment for you and our listeners? I think I know what it is, but explain it to me just in case I don't. Okay. So usually musicals like a Broadway musical, it's like a play with songs written for that musical. And a jukebox musical is something like All Shook Up, where it's the songs of Elvis Presley. Anything goes is a jukebox musical. It's like the songs of Cole Porter. And inevitably, in any jukebox musical, even American Idiot, which is like written in a storytelling-like way, it always feels very clunky and like that the plot hops around a lot because, okay, example, all shook up. It's like, you know what you are? You ain't nothing but a hound dog. It's just like, it doesn't flow naturally. It's like, okay, basically the story is built around these songs. And I kept finding that in most of the songs in these, they didn't necessarily fit what was going on with the plot at that time. It was like, and a musical break, which is brilliant because they were probably selling cassettes out the butt of so many of these. But I couldn't help but notice that like, the ology thing, I was like, where did this come from? Like, are, are they going to talk about biology? Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> the songs were just there so that they could have an accompaniment, like cassette tape, and have a show and fill time. I loved that the beekeeper was a woman. The doctor was a woman. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh my God, great. Representation of, well, technically a daughter, a beekeeper's daughter, I guess. But shout out to female beekeepers. There's one on 90 Day Fiance. Shout out to Anna and Marcel. They met on a beekeeping site. Um, that's really all I had for notes for this, except I guess I got bored towards the end because I wrote down pocket planner game because I started looking up what the pocket planner game was. And um, it was basically just a digital pocket planner that also would tell you if you, it was on Game Boy, if you held it up, in front of your crush, it used a lot of like features of um, the Game Boy printer. It would tell you if you kind of like a magic eight ball way that you could match with your crush. So I'm um, going to have to go and play some of these for like an inevitable Patreon someday or something. The only thing that I had left was just the fake smiles. These poor children were basically told, do not ever be on camera unless you're smiling because every single moment of every single one of these episodes they were like yeah and for you who can't see me i am just smiling with nothing behind my eyes we also have to remember that they had never done 
any sort of, I mean, they had done, you know, some of these little how the West was won and over the hill, whatever to grandmother's house they go. Um, but their job on Full House would be like, come on the set, film a scene for like 15 minutes, maybe half an hour and then be done. So this was probably a lot of work for them. And they're kids. Like, I keep forgetting that these were children, despite them being children. They had to talk to the screen in each of these episodes, which was very different from anything else that they had done. And they're just like, okay, now we have to just talk directly to this camera with no other actors. Yeah. And basically, our parents are probably just being like, smile, make sure you're smiling. Okay. And even the scene where they're talking to people, they they filmed it in such a way that the point of view was like, can you tell us where it is? And so it was just filmed directly on them. So they probably only act opposite people really like maybe half the time, even that. And they're, it's mostly just the two of them. And they're looking at each other who are the same looking person. Did not know they were fraternal twins. Learned that as well. They're not identical. They're fraternal. Okay, hold on. We got to pause because Ty's going to grind coffee. For our listeners, if you haven't seen this, basically this episode ends with them realizing that the beekeeper's daughter or granddaughter has recently moved back to this mansion and has just been taking care of bees. And everything that they thought were ghost related is actually just this woman in a beekeeper's outfit um, spilling honey all over the place and opening and closing the back door. And they solved it. Um, and the next one, we're going to actually skip ahead. Ayla and I did watch the lo- the case of the Logical Eye Ranch. Um, but we're going to skip that one. And we're going to jump into the case of the SeaWorld Adventure, which was in 1995. And while I do recognize that I'm pretty sure that they were doing the SeaWorld in Florida, I think. Um, I lived in San Diego, so SeaWorld was like a huge part of my life. But let me just read the short couple sentences. So the girls' parents work at SeaWorld as overworked dolphin trainers. One day, the girls run into a dead body in the woods that eventually leads them and their parents to a cruise ship while trying to solve the rigged mystery. The boss of the girls' parents had planted evidence to get them all on the cruise so they could take a much-needed family vacation. What were your first impressions, Chloe? I think it's great that there are computer programmers who are also marine biologists who are working at SeaWorld. I think that now that I know that that is a career that I can pursue, I would like to go back in time and uh, change my career trajectory a little bit. Um, Good for them. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. Also, they seem to like kind of live at SeaWorld. Yeah, I had that as a note. Do they have, do they live in SeaWorld in a nice looking apartment in SeaWorld? That's not what I would expect to be at a SeaWorld apartment, but good for them. That's a cool job. I feel like there definitely are. I know when you do the like behind the scenes, you know, studio tour at Universal Studios, there are houses that like actors or directors or whoever can stay in so they can kind of stay on the lot or whatever. But not at SeaWorld. I'm like 99.999% sure that's not a thing. I mean, geographically, this movie is very confusing because, okay, so we think they're in Florida, but also 
they go to Miami, but also where were those woods that they found a dead man in? I think that's just part of SeaWorld. That's just the oasis of SeaWorld. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of theme parks that are animal related will have like a botany section. Um, I know the SeaWorld in San Diego has something like that. So does the zoo and wild animal park. So I have a note here that says, just casually testing your software in front of an audience. And at first I was like, that's weird. But then I was like, that's literally what I do for my job. I stream software that I am building for people online. So they were the original streamers. Facts. Like they they were testing. They were doing live demos of their software. And it looked like the people in the audience were clapping. I think they were enjoying it. And the fact that they were like, you know, and here come our two penguins. And they had to kind of wait a beat until Mary-Kate and Ashley came out in their penguin outfits was 100% us on a live stream just being like, oh, you're muted. (laughs) That totally was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, there's a lot about this movie that's confusing. Like, first of all, the mimes. Why are these mimes around children? They should not be around children. Leave them alone. Um, They literally are like, leave us alone, you stupid mimes. And they won't go away. And no means no. This is a cautionary tale of crime mimes. And I'm not here for it. I will say I absolutely loved the scene where Mary-Kate and Ashley had all of the like characters lined up in front of like something with lines on it to make it look like they were in like a police line and making them turn around and they didn't even have like a case they were like looking for a case to solve see that's the thing too is none of those actors are credited like there's so many more actors in this they're just like where if you're listening to this and you are one of the penguins in the suit Especially the one with the eyeliner and the eyelashes. Loved her. She was great. I don't know who that mascot is. I mean, I think that that, that was actually characters at SeaWorld. I, I bet you they went to SeaWorld and they were like, hi, can we film? And they were just the people who worked there normally. And to give people an idea of how big SeaWorld was in pop culture, I had Shamu vitamins. Like those were my daily vitamin chewables that I had. Chloe, you have to give me one second because I have to show you this. Hang on. I meant to grab it. Hang on. Okay. I'm really mad, but I'll have to just put it on the pod notes on the Instagram. I have a picture of me writing Shamu. Oh my God. Like in the green screen thing or like the real Shamu? Oh, I mean... (laughs) I convinced way too many people that it was the real Shamu, but that's beautiful. It was definitely a green screen. I'll put that in the gram, but I'm pretty sure this was like legit just the people who worked there and they let them just kind of go out on the thing because I don't know if you ever went to SeaWorld as a child, but like, and I think they still do this, but they would pick a random family to be able to like go out and like touch the dolphins in the middle of the show and stuff. Oh, yeah. We had a marine world, what is now Six Flags, used to be a Six Flags marine world, um, and it was all full of animal shows, and they used to pick a kid to go down the front and get licked, kiss, they would play a smoochy sound, you get legit licked by this whale, and looking back, what a frightening experience, I would not want to do that. So speaking of, one time we went to Dis- we went to SeaWorld, sorry, and we were feeding the dolphins and back then you used to literally be able to go buy tiny little fish and then you would feed the dolphins so we were like we had this little bucket of fish and my mom was like feeding the dolphins and the seagulls came 
and they took the fish out of her hand, but they like bit her fingertip. Like it was bleeding so bad. Her fingertip like almost got bit off. It was so horrible. Um, they don't do that anymore, but. Wild. Truly an adventure park, SeaWorld. Wow. I remembered when I was like at, at the end why I liked it as a kid. And it was because it was different than the other ones. Like the other ones were, there was someone who was actually concerned and they just discovered, oh yeah, this is just, you know, whatever it is. So in Thorn Mansion, it was just a beekeeper. In the Logical Eye Ranch, it was just um, oil that they had underground. Um, <laughs> and in SeaWorld Adventure, it was actually the manager or like the boss of the parents who planted evidence. And then the dead body was one of the uh, mimes. And then the woman who was supposedly trying to get rid of the dead body was the other mime. And I thought that was kind of cool. Like I thought it was kind of neat that it it kind of felt like the adults were actually validating what Mary Kate and Ashley were trying to do as detectives while also like playing along and like, you know, trying to get the parents to do something. I mean, I do think it's totally weird that adults would just send these children out into the wild <laughs> to like get, get into cabs and hire limos, but you know. I have a lot of problems with the adults in this film, particularly a man has perished and why does this security guard not care? Like there is a dead body and you are not listening to li believe women. That's what I have to say about this. Believe women when they say there's a dead body somewhere. That was rude. Well, I think I think that he did. He just knew what was happening. Oh, but the babysitter was just incompetent, right? The babysitter was completely incompetent. How long had she been standing there? Hours? Just not turning around? Ma'am. It did remind me. Sorry, I have way too many stories. Um, my mom every time she would be putting me to bed, she would fall asleep first. So she would like be rubbing my head and telling me a bedtime story and she would just fall asleep. And so she'd be like, once upon a time, there were these three bears, a mama bear, a baby bear and a daddy bear. And then the big bad wolf said, I'll huff and puff and I'll blow your house down. And Rumpelstiltskin said, that's my name. And I was like, mom, wake up. <laughs> this babysitter... I mean, at first I was like, is a babysitter the woman on the boat? Um, a man parish. They go to Miami. That's where it started to feel like a jukebox musical. That's where I wrote down jukebox musical because <sighs> there's some cultural appropriation happening in these Mary Kate and Ashley films. It, it was a different time. Um, they're in this like very like feeling hot, 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 like attire, like with the ruffles and it's a very straight, there's so too many adults around these children. I'm like, they back into this band and it looks like this band is going to murder them. And then they start jamming. Um, but this song, I was like, is, th is this a real song? I don't know. Are they covering something? I couldn't tell because at first I thought it was a real song. And then when they started like full on singing it, I was like, this can't be a real song because this is not a great song. <laughs> You know what? Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen walked so Will Smith could run. The original Miami song, as far as I'm concerned, like canonically. Also, they were like trying, like right at the end of the song, they just like closed up the guitar case and started like 
jamming as they walked away. And at first I was like, are you just stealing all the money and the dude's guitar case? But then they were like met up with the guys afterwards and they were like splitting money. And I was like, so why did you close the guitar case and awkwardly walk away? I just, I don't know. For choreography and equity is important. <laughs> are we to believe that they live in SeaWorld? I think they live in SeaWorld. I think so. Because the timelines here. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold up. Why is FDR in this film? Mr. Kramer looks like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the president of the United States of America. <laughs> and all I could think of was this is an FDR impersonator. And I, I couldn't unsee it the whole film. So when he came back at the end, I was like, FDR, you can walk, you're back. Um, so shout out to that man. I bet he got so many gigs as like an FDR stand-in. This is honestly just like, a tale of burnout. Like, this is literally Mary-Kate and Ashley's boss saying to her parents, you guys are so overworked and won't leave work, so just get on this freaking cruise. For whatever reason in my head, the cruise part of the... It ended very abruptly for me. I thought there was more cruise ship action for some reason. I think it's because the next episode is the case of the mystery cruise. Like, they're on the cruise. Oh. Each episode is not, like, a continuation. But I think they kind of did that a little bit there. It's all canon. It's the M... Wait, what do we call it? The M-K-A-O cinematic universe. Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen. Yes. I'm, I'm, M-K-A-C-U. Mikaku. <laughs> <laughs> this ended so fast. I was like, oh, it's done. Like, that's it. They're going on a cruise. But now that you mentioned that there's another chapter, I'm like, oh, okay. Because these were books, too. That makes so much sense. Well, and I don't know. I don't know, though, that the next episode where they're on a cruise, they have the same parents. <laughs> do the same jobs because the, the 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 next one which we're not covering in this episode is that the father has a laptop containing vital information that gets stolen they can't release the dolphin information i'm trying to picture them pitching this in a room just like it's aol instant messenger but for dolphins i don't totally is that what they were doing i feel like they were trying to like were they trying to talk to the dolphins or were the dolphins trying to talk to them or both i don't i think it was both because at one point the mom was like, did you just tell them and then they did it? it or am I crazy? And the dad was like, yes and no, you're not crazy. It's dolphin translation software. I love it. Um, also, there was a part when they were singing the Miami song where this one dude with a flannel tied around his waist was just like basically always kind of between them and the crowd. And I was like, he was 100% their bodyguard. If you watch the Full House episode where they're at Disney World, they very clearly filmed it during the day. And you can see pedestrian folks in the background, like watching them film who are clearly not background actors. So in this, I thought I saw some of them, like in some of the bigger scenes, there were definitely scenes where I was like, these people are like, why are Mary-Kate and Ashley here? And they probably had to sign a release or something. <laughs> Nothing like a realistic take. This was like 100% the first, and now I'm blanking on the name. What is it called when you just randomly go somewhere and start dancing together as a group? Oh, flash mob. Yes. This was like the first flash mob because they just start like doing this dance or like they start singing the song and Mary Kane Ashley are just kind of like, 
you know, bopping slowly. And then all of a sudden these like four to six people who are just incredible dancers just start like getting up in their normal jeans and such and just start doing these like purettes and things. And I'm like, okay, okay, flash mob. I was going to say we're almost done, but we did not talk about the penguins. The most important part of this film, the two most dead inside penguins. These girls, you could tell, I'm sure if they did an interview about this now, they'd be like, the sun was in her eyes. It was hot. And those freaking, this is in Florida, probably. They were probably miserable dancing in those outfits. And they're barely giving it anything. It's hard to watch. Like, they're cute and they're dancing, but you can tell these kids do not want to be there. And maybe, was that the direction they were given? I hope not. I Well, I do. I hope that's the direction they were given, but like, Ay ay ay, hard to watch. I think they were just tired. Yeah. Because if you look at the outtakes, they were just so many of them. Like there was one when they were in the limo and she was like, Hey mom, blah blah blah. Ugh. Hey mom, blah blah blah. Ugh. Like she kept saying it wrong and she was just like, Oh, sorry. Like it wasn't this funny, like, oh my gosh, I did it again. Oops. <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh God. All right, here, I'll do it again. It was just, I don't know. It made me sad. I was in a production once of a children's theater, storybook theater production of Jack and the Beanstalk, and I played the Golden Goose because your girl is a star. And I had to wear this huge, oh my gosh, we'll put this on the Instagram. I have pictures. I had to wear this huge, like Disneyland-esque costume. No head. It was my head. But like, it was one of those you know, atmosphere character costumes, much like these penguins. And it was Sacramento in the summer, no AC. And I wore a bikini under that costume every time I did the show because it was just too hot to wear. And I understand on a deep level, these two little girls probably weigh like 60 pounds each, so hot in these. And they had the feet too. I think they had heads as well. So on the one hand, I'm like, you make that millions because like, but on the other hand, I'm like, you know, take care of these kids, please. <laughs> okay. I think that's pretty much it for this one. And we have two more, but we'll probably go fairly quickly because there's not much to talk about for each of these. These are quick, 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 quick ones. These two, I did these two in the, in this order. And like I, I, in the order that we're doing them, I watched them and Space Camp and uh, this volcano thing went by very, very quickly. So, okay, so the next one is the case of the U.S. Space Camp mission in 1996. A space shuttle has been grounded due to a mysterious tapping sound coming from its outer surface. Unless the girls can figure out what is going on, the space shuttle will not be able to lift off. To figure out the mystery, they get help learning about space travel through the U.S. Space Camp program. The trip to Huntsville was about 1643 miles from their attic and a 20 minute bike ride. I had never seen this. This is my first time. I have because it had space camp in it and I was all about space camp as a child. Like that's all I wanted. When I was in seventh grade, we got to go to Astro Camp, which was in the like quote unquote mountains of San Diego. And we got to look at stars and I still have my Astro Camp sweatshirt that I still wear to this day. How are you watching these? Because I feel like if I had access to these, I would have been watching them. VHS. But did you own them? I was either renting them from Blockbuster or I owned them. So never seen this. Um, very familiar with NASA myself. I've gone to 
a launch before in Florida. Um, I've also done some NASA experiences out here in California. And NASA is fascinating. I wish I had seen this as a kid because going to a launch two years ago was the coolest thing I have ever done in my life. And I think had Chloe, young Chloe, had a little bit more – my only exposure to space and NASA was seeing the commercials for it on Double Dare. And because usually it was a prize on Family Double Dare or on regular Double Dare or on Guts, Global Guts, all these Nickelodeon shows, the grand prize would be a trip to space camp. And in my brain, the only way I was going to get to space camp is if I was on Double Dare. So my whole life goal was get my parents to take me on a vacation to Florida, go be in the studio audience, be cute enough that they pick me out, cast me as one of the members. Like... It wasn't just ask my parents to go to space camp. I had this elaborate ruse set up in my head that never ended up happening. Um, but this is so cool to see, like, girls talking about space stuff. Like, I only had Bill Nye really talking about space stuff in my life. I also loved this episode as a child and today. And I'm kind of mad that they didn't do this for all of them, which was this was a real thing that happened at NASA where there was – something that had caused a hole and they needed to figure out what the problem was. And like right at the beginning of the film, they say that like, this was a real thing that happened. Um, And it was just kind of this like, yeah, I mean, they didn't, you know, obviously call two children to help them figure it out. But like, but like, I think just, this is not canon. (laughs) Yeah. But just kind of like, it was this one felt a little bit more real compared to the earlier ones, like especially something like Thorn Mansion, where this one they were like, oh, well, there was this explosion and it caused like four or five trees to be burned down. And those trees were housing owls and how owls are the biggest or only predator to woodpeckers. And so then the woodpeckers, you know, became more abundant in the area slash there were fewer trees. So they just started doing like pecking at at the like shuttle. And I was just like. This actually makes some sense to me as an adult. I mean, you know, whatever. But like, and I was just like, this is what I wish musicology was about. Like the song, right? Like, I just wish there was a little bit more realism. And I was so happy to see it here. Well, you know what I think probably happened is I started to notice, like, so the first one, Thorn Mansion, they're not selling anything. The second one is an ad for SeaWorld. This one, I bet they collaborated with NASA. And out of these four that we watched, like, the Volcano one and the NASA one are actually educational content. So they're clearly like partnering with these programs, like people like you and me who work at Microsoft and like do these partnerships with NASA and, and whatnot. I bet NASA was probably the first like brand. I mean, technically it's a it's a government organization that was like, here's some educational info. Let's probably write it around this. I'm going to guess that probably this plot was uh, it done in a pitch room with with NASA marketing folks, and I gotta say, I love the cameo from the dude. Very educational. Um, hold on, Speedy is a tragic tale of cocaine usage. What's happening? What is going on? Why is this man's character trait that he is? He should be named Remix, not Speedy, because they're just remixing him. Yeah, he's just like, uh, we're trying to find a bird, bird, bird. <laughs> it's like, what? What? No. going on like it reminds me of the disneyland sing-along where it's they have a remix of zippity dude on it's like zip it's like what's going on with this man is he okay like he has had way too much meth this is bad um but it's an ad for space camp really like 
at the end of the day, it's an ad for space camp, but it's also educational. I was just kind of looking up to see if that was actually true, that it was like a wood woodpecker. On June 2nd, 1995, NASA managers decided to delay the launch of Discovery on mission STS-70 in order to make repairs to foam insulation in the vehicle's external fuel tank. Earlier, technicians at launch pad 39B discovered that woodpeckers had inflicate, in, inflicted, oh, sorry, I totally didn't read that right, inflicted about six dozen small holes in the insulation material. And this is on the NASA site. <laughs> Dang. I love that. That's educational. And I mean, okay, but back to the jukebox musicals. This karate man. It's so bad. I, what I wrote, <sighs> I wrote, the karate teacher is problematic, dot, dot, dot. Because I was, it's. It's almost worse that it's not played by an Asian person. This is taking a role away from an Asian actor. All the music is Asian. It's problematic. And I honestly, it probably would have even been more cringy. Nope, it's more cringy with the white person in it. I take that back. But it's hard to watch. It's nothing to do with what's going on. Why is their karate teacher coming with them to Huntsville, Alabama? I have a lot of questions. These adults need to leave these children alone. (laughs) Please. Please. Why, like, he's in just, like, a silk robe, because that's a thing. I think he has, like, Asian characters on his uh, bandana. Um, oh, I was very hard to watch. Of course, this man, as I mentioned, is not credited on IMDb. I wouldn't be adding it to mine either had I played this role. Um, however, the uh, Speedy and other man are credited, so shout out to them. They've- oh, my gosh, wait. I had a Kevin Bacon moment with this. So I was like, what is Speedy up to? What's he doing? He played Man in Van in WandaVision. The connection, (gasps) the Olsen connection is forever. Oh my gosh. And then I played out a scene in my head. Like, who knows if Elizabeth Olsen was on the set that day or not, but I played this scene in my head of him being like, hey, you probably don't remember me, but I was speedy. (laughs) I wonder if they even crossed paths in the original. Like, truly, I have so many questions about, like, this man's probably like, I can't escape the Olsons. Um, I found out a really fun, fun fact about this that I cannot – this was the only piece of trivia that I found for any of these films. some of them had trivia that was just the plot, but this one I think is my my favorite fun fact that I discovered in all my Googling. At the time of filming the case of the U.S. Space Camp mission, nine-year-old Mary Kate and Ashley had both lost their front teeth. In order for gaps not to show in the video, both girls had custom-made fake teeth known as flippers done. So this is commonly what's done on toddlers and tiaras and a lot of people wear them on television. Um, they were used to have to wear in flippers during their time on Full House. When the girls each lost their teeth, flippers were used to make the girls look more identical since they shared the part of Michelle because they probably lost their teeth at different times. However, when leaving for Alabama to shoot the U.S. Space Camp mission, both Mary-Kate and Ashley ended up forgetting their flippers back home. So they were forced to run around Huntsville, Alabama in search of a dentist who could make them new emergency flippers before they could begin filming. Oh my God. But this also just speaks to like, Okay, as someone who used to, who does film work and used to do a lot of film work, like, this was a very low budget episode. Like, it only really shot at three different locations. They probably shot Speedy and What's His Face stuff separately on different days. All in all, this looks like a 
a week or two of shooting, if that, if they wanted to like pack it into two weeks. So, and they were, it says here they were in Huntsville. So they probably, you know, had some time on the NASA campus and space camp, obviously when space camp wasn't in session, but they probably filmed this very quickly. There's not that many locations and they could have filmed that, that Barney Black Belt thing back in LA, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, I definitely think that that almost all of these were probably filmed fairly quickly. Um, But they 100% collaborated with NASA on this. Um, Speaking from experience, I don't think that they would ever be legally allowed to say U.S. space camp inside of their title if they did not get that kind of like collaboration. Um, And also, I mean, they had like Alan Beam, who, who was he was an astronaut. He was the fourth astronaut on the moon. I, I think that they definitely just flew to Alabama and were recording this for real there. And so they just had to do it quickly and just, yeah, straight to the point. Also some context for folks, because I I had the privilege of being able to go to NASA and my expectation in my head was very different than reality. Because I think a lot of people forget that NASA is a government-owned organization, much like the DMV. Um, And that very much is the vibe of most NASA spaces. Like once you get beyond like the museum part, like when you get to go into the CAD, like when you get to go into different press buildings, it's very much just kind of like going to an office park building. Like it's, it's not, it's very different than SpaceX. SpaceX is like bring your dog to work and like, you know, all, all the modern technologies and fancy things of, of startups and, and tech companies today. But it was very interesting to see this portrayal of NASA. Of course, it's space camp. They're at space camp. Um, but I just loved the NASA-ness of even just like the blue background for the interview with that dude. And like, you know, they were filming it in front of all the, it was gosh, I just really wish I had gone to space camp. I'm very jealous. I wish I had gone. (laughs) I'm so jealous. My only exposure to NASA, other than what I've done kind of at work, is in um, undergrad, I got to do a research project with the Jet Propulsion Lab, NASA JPL, which is based just outside of LA. And we got to drive up there and do a tour. And one of the really cool things was this was when the Mars rover, Curiosity, was stuck on Mars. So it had it had like gotten itself stuck, but the amount of time that it took for them to send a message to and from Curiosity was 24 hours on Earth. And so they couldn't just like debug with this rover to be like, oh, try moving this, you know, gear, try moving this arm um, quickly because it would take 24 hours. So instead they recreated how curiosity was stuck give within like a fake like a simulated area and we got to see the actual engineers who were trying to figure out the most like efficient way to get curiosity unstuck using this like like simulated version it was a real um a real uh rover on just kind of like this earth that was recreated to look like mars and how curiosity was stuck and it was just so neat to think about the like ingenuity of debugging this robot like on Mars and 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 what you need to do to be able to do that and I just I don't know I felt I mean I've always been in love with NASA but that was one of the like coolest things ever I've truly only gotten interested in space and NASA like within the last five years because I was just so not involved in STEM at all until I got into tech and 
anybody out there, if, if you ever get the chance to see a rocket launch or go to the JPL, like go to these NASA social events. They're truly just like you really get a sense of how cool it's just open source space stuff. That's what NASA is. And it's all just like government stuff. I'm so obsessed with it. Chloe, I almost applied to be an astronaut. Oh my gosh. I would love that for you. I love this for you. About six years ago, they were they were putting out a new call for astronauts. They specifically wanted people with a computer science and education background, which is exactly my background. And I was so close to applying. You don't even know. And I mean, it wasn't like obviously would never be a for sure thing. Like you'd have to go through all this training, but you basically had to move to Texas for like six years and which makes total sense. That's where all of the training was. And I just wasn't ready to like, just give everything up for that. But I was so close. And and I was also sad because Adrian would never be able to apply because he's too tall. That's my partner. Um, he's too tall. I'm like, okay, Lance Bass, just like training to go to space. I, I'm so sad. I, I feel like I should have. Anyways, back to the episode. I really have nothing more to say. I'm just like, this karate man really dampens the experience for me. Just wah, wah. I will say I really wish that they would have had real mysteries on for all of them. Like things that had happened in real life. And it made me want to just start a kid's show where I do mysteries based on things that happen in real life. You know what it reminded me of kind of? For whatever reason, it reminded me of these Berenstein Bear books that I used to read as a kid that were like chapter books. Probably read them in like third or fourth grade that were all about solving mysteries and and they were not only like fun to read but they were educational like I would learn about stalagmites and stalactites and that's what this felt like it was very that it was you know Bill Nye was different because it was science focused there was no plot but this is cool that it was like a not a fiction thing like it was an actual thing that they were solving except for the karate (laughs) okay last episode The Case of the Volcano Mystery from 1997, which is their second to last one um, that they did. The girls receive a call from some miners of marshmallows that a snowball throwing monster has been terrorizing them. The girls eventually find out that the snow is really ash and the monster is a geologist warning them that an active volcano is not a safe place to work. The trip to Jelly Island was about 1,759 miles from their attic and a 20-minute bike ride. This is the one where Clue changed genders, and this changed my world. Clue is a she, canonically, in the volcano. I had never seen this one before. This one was my family's favorite, simply because the volcano song at the end was so ridiculous, and me and my mom and sister would just randomly start going, Volcano! Just all the time i think that these men are definitely queuing on now yeah i was very much just like taken aback once again that these adults i was like hang up the phone do not help these men what do they need from you children to young girls this was uh problematic to me All I remember as a kid and what I thought about them was that I could see the cord from their phone not attached to anything when they were talking because they moved so much and it made me angry that they messed up like that. I mean, this movie is all B-roll. It's like B-roll, 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 especially the Volcano song, just like 
it is the same three clips replayed over and over and over, which is good. Repetition is good. Like sometimes in reverse. Yes. Sometimes it is in reverse. Sometimes it has like a squiggle going through it. Um, I didn't take many notes. This went by very fast, this one for me. I was just like, mystery solved, okay. There there was a shot in a canoe, so I was like, they did do some shots in nature for this. Most of it looks like maybe it was a sound studio. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. They had these um, outfits where they had these like flowers up at the top, and it was like these tight black sh- shirts. And I don't remember what the song was for, but those flower shirts were just my favorite. I thought that was peak 1997 fashion. And I just wanted that. I mean, I never, I could never pull that off as, you know, a, a nine-year-old, but oh my God, I will put it in the gram. Like peak 90s, like icons. They were looking, the fashion was great. The fashion was so great in this with the even the volcano man just like stomping around. Uh I mean, we don't have enough information on IMDb to actually determine if that man was singing that song. Like, I hope so. He was the first one out of all four of these though that sounded like he could sing. Yeah. I mean, it was a bop. Like that what an eleven o'clock number just we're learning so much about volcanoes. Um, I, yeah, I don't remember a lot of this despite watching it very recently because <laughs> I think I just felt very overwhelmed by these three men. They were just a lot. They were chewing the scenery. <laughs> so here's a few things that I thought of because by the time I got to like the third one, I was kind of getting bored, which it's kind of hard for me to get bored with kid stuff. I usually really like it. But that's part of why I watch all these with Ayla, because then that kind of gives me something to watch if I don't really want to watch whatever I'm watching. Um, she loved them. Every single time they they uttered anything or made any kind of movement or any kind of noise. And she started doing this new thing where when she wants to laugh at something, she just goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And at first I thought she was like getting scared, but then she was just like, ah, and I was like, are you laughing? She was like, they're being so silly. I was like, true. So she she loved that. I I do remember this was one of the first times, at least that I remember knowing the difference between Funny Haha and Funny Strange. Because um, that's something they talk about in this episode was, oh, that's funny. You mean Funny Haha or Funny Strange? And I remembered like feeling so powerful with that like literary knowledge of knowing... <laughs> I mean, there's some good learning moments in these. I mean, see the SeaWorld one, I don't know if we learn anything <laughs> except that dolphins can be text messaged. But for the most part, like some educational information on volcanoes at the end, we get a little postscript. I will say that I think I liked the songs in all of these because they weren't great. They were very repetitive. And I could sing and feel like I was just as good as the people singing. And I just felt like, I think that what they did do a really good job of with these and with Mary-Kate and Ashley is that they were still children. Like the whole time they were still children. They weren't acting like anything other than the age that they were. Other than like random adults calling them and telling them to come to Transylvania. But like... Like, they dressed like children, even when they were wearing, like, the fancy outfits, they were dressed 
like children and they weren't amazing singers. They were just kids who were singing. Um, and I think that what I realized now was I think that anytime I watched something with them, it just hit these like pleasure centers in my brain of like serotonin of just like, they were just like happiness to me. And so it didn't really matter if something was good or bad or, or whatever. It was just enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, they, I will say one of the songs in, I think it was the moon song, their voices elevated. And I was like, they got a vocal trainer or something for this one. But I totally agree. I think like the songs are silly. Like I still remember every single song from my first video. Like everything was like, I'm the human. And it's just like slightly off tone, but like you come to love how bad it is. Um, There was even a B-side to that cassette that had songs that were just like double dutch, double dutch, just like songs about double dutch for no reason. And I think when I think about what cassette tapes I had as a kid, really all I had was Sesame Street and I grew out of Sesame Street. I had all the Disney soundtracks, so like Beauty and the Beast, Pokemon is all that. But really the only like kids music other than this one, (laughs) shout out to Sebastian the Crab, party mix cassette that was just like party jams was sung by Sebastian, not from the film. Um, I really only had this Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen cassette and there was nothing like this. Like there was no kids singing. Like we didn't even have like, you know, I follow these Instagram influencers like Boss Baby Brody, who's like this dancer. And like there's kids who are like made famous through, we all have phones now, but this was really the only way I was hearing kids sing other than seeing a local production of Annie or something. And when you see a kid on stage or a dog, you're like, oh my gosh, like they're immediately your eyes go to them. And that's what they were for a full house. They were just, anytime Michelle came on, you knew there was going to be something cute happening. And they weren't just like in full house, maybe a little bit more so, but, but even then, like every girl young girl who was in any of these, you know, after school special shows, like they were just sidekicks. Like if you weren't the teenage girl who was dealing with like love or drugs or whatever, you were just the like little sister who was annoying. Like the Morgans of Boy Meets World or like the, you know, they didn't have a lot of substance. Nope. And I feel like, yeah, they definitely had Lizzie be the like little annoying sister, but they were just two girls. And I just, anyways, I do want to say, um, as the volcano song was playing, Ayla started to explain to me what volcanoes were and how lava works and explodes. And then when she heard the part where they said, the earth is clearing its throat, she turned to me and said, no, it's not. It doesn't have arms or legs or a head or hair or a mouth it's lava (laughs) i was like ayla i agree all right i agree we will we will rewrite this episode and you can sing the volcano song about how volcanoes are not people who clear their throats it's as problematic as the ology song like it is misinforming the children and we cannot stand for that so because the three-year-olds know they know. <laughs> well, I think this episode has set us up for a lot of future Mary Kate and Ashley episodes. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, 
we won't necessarily do them now because it's nice to have a little break. Um, but I am very much looking forward to continuing to figure out why we were trained to be spies at age five um, and throughout our entire childhoods. I mean, maybe as we rewatch all of these, we'll get the subliminal messages and uh, we'll discover what our mission is. I mean, you know how when we were, when our parents were younger, or at least my parents were younger, it was like the Red Scare, like Russia, spies. Like, was this just the adults of that era writing content that they're like, these children need to be prepared for espionage. Like, they need to be able to infiltrate. <laughs> like, I'm trying to understand what is going on here. But then I'm like, oh, and NASA's involved. <laughs> but now we're tackling the volcanoes and, and SeaWorld, of course, the environment, how to spy on mimes. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of interesting how just so many of these freaking things are spiralated. Like, an alarming amount. I'm shocked that... We're kind of the first people to point this out, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I do think that it has to do with kind of keeping attention. I mean, to be fair, like mysteries have been around for a while. You know, you had the like... Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys. Yeah, exactly. We've got the Berenstein Bears solving mysteries. We've got DuckTales solve a mystery or rewrite history. Everyone's solving these mysteries. So... It's true. And I do think that that one way for children to be exposed to new things is to first think that it's something scary or mysterious or new and then to find out, oh, it was just the beekeeper all along or whatever it is. Um, and I, I think that that's really powerful, especially when you're thinking about this really quickly changing world. And so I don't know, like maybe it's just because humans like mysteries. Um, maybe it's also because like, you know, we were trying to to help kids understand. I mean, that's basically what Blue's Clues is, right? Like, let's let's figure out, let's figure this out. Let's deduce, you know, let's put things together for ourselves. Let's not just listen to what other people are telling us is true and actually look at the facts. Um, I think that has led us to being, you know, a generation and the generations after us to really figuring it out for ourselves. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if I hadn't watched all these spy shows, I wouldn't have been able to catch all my boyfriends cheating in college. That was some detective work. I've worked on that personally. <laughs> but, like, I can solve a mystery, okay? Like, I can deduce, I can use the a hypothesis, as is mentioned in many of these things, use the clues and the facts. So, you know what? Maybe I am a spy. <laughs> I mean, aren't we all? Aren't we all? All right. Well, that was a fun trip down memory lane. Um, I am going to eventually open up one of these Hunt a Killer uh, boxes and uh, probably buy some highlights. Um, but yeah, thanks for jumping into my favorite episodes of <laughs> The Adventures of Mary Kane, Ashley. I'm so thrilled. Like, this is the first, one of the first of many, I'm sure, that I've never seen, but the SeaWorld one just really, it it was all coming back to me. The, especially the penguin outfits, it, it was a, it was a journey, and also, truly, what a treat, what a dream. Shout out to every kid our age, because we now have access to all this stuff. It was so hard. Like, 
if I had had access to these other Mary Kate and Ashley Olson VHSs, because I would have, that would would have been expensive for my parents. There's like 45 of these. But what a treat to be able to watch these now. Like young Chloe is so excited I finally got to watch these because I I always wanted to know. <laughs> to be clear, we picked these four because they were my favorites from when I was a child. And I'm pretty sure it's because we only had access to these four. So. <laughs> I don't know if they were on TV one day and we recorded them on VHS or if I rented them a lot or if my mom bought them for me. But like these four were the four that I watched on repeat. I mean, shout out to these child detectives um, wearing flippers, literally, literally wearing flippers on their feet and legs as penguins and also in their mouths. We praise you, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson. You are you deserve every penny of your millions and billions. And I hope that you're able to rest. You've worked enough. Maybe the the tale of their parents' burnout in the SeaWorld episode was a cry for help. Like maybe that was them saying, like, please give us a break. Like, please guide us onto a cruise ship with mimes and let us sleep. On the one hand, I kind of like hope that they were being listened to. On the other, that was in ninety-five. And they continue to do a lot more after that. So take a nap, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson. We love you. <laughs> we do. We love you. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Salute Your Sports is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Mix and Master by Dr. G. Our theme song is Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Squirts is recorded in front of a live house plant. And in a shed. And is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida.